Hi and hello, Watch fans. Welcome to another episode of The Real Time Show. I am George Bamford, and these guys are trying to imitate about effing time. So I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I cannot wait to have a chat. Um, guys, over to you. Well, welcome, George. Thanks for that wonderful intro. Certainly uh, pulled it off with much more British charm than I ever managed to muster. We're not trying to rip you off. We're just trying to add, what can I say, a little bit of friendly competition to the, well, to the mix. It's, a, it's, it's about having time we we had friendly competition. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a fair point, actually, because what you've been doing with Andrew and Adrian has been completely uh, unheard of and unmatched in the industry. And I think we're, we have a slightly different tone. We're not quite as uh, banterous as you guys managed to be, but... What a brilliant addition it was. I was overjoyed when you launched and I love everything about it. I love the dynamic between you. I love the logo. I love the name. I love the show. So congratulations. Well, thank you very much. Look, I would love to say we're here to talk all all about that. But, it, you know, honestly, it, it all happened very, very quickly. Watch some wonders last year. Uh, we all met up for the first time and we were like, hey, you know, we've done some stuff online before. Uh, but none of us kind of actually met up in person. We thought, God, there's a, a chemistry here. And and then we did a, I don't know, uh, I, I was on Teams with them uh, and we were like, oh, you know, we should do this, we should do this. And I had a I had a card on my desk and it said about fucking time. And I just held it up on the screen in front of the, the thing and they went, oh, that's the name of it. And I was just like, what? And so that's kind of how it came about. So welcome on the show, George. Thank you so much. It is a bit of a twilight zone indeed that you are on our podcast show, but you are a real inspirator for everybody in the watch industry, watchmakers, watch collectors, new people to the game. You do so much. So let's do a quick intro because we have a lot of ground to cover on this show. I have a lot of questions for you. I know Rob does. Um, so you are an enfant terrible, but a very oh. nice one. Oh, thank you. You started off in the watch industry, and I know as a kid you disassembled your writing Navi timer. If I'm, if I recollect correctly, you were always were always fascinated by watches, and you started off by blackening watches, didn't you? Yes. So that's where you entered the watch industry, putting it upside down, and ever since you've been putting it upside down, because you are an omnipresent. A guy in the watch industry, you have two brands, not one, but two. So it's Bamford London, where you make your own watches, your own watch brand. You have the Bamford watch department, which you customize effing cool watches. You do something with cars, which you need to explain to me what you're doing there. <laughs> you started a new podcast series, but you also have one that I love to listen to, which is GB Talks talking about oddball watches, which I listen to almost every episode. Tell us what else you do and what you enjoy doing the most. Firstly, might I just say is, I feel like um, you've kind of got downstream after Jean-Claude Beaver and uh, and the god of Moser. I'm like, what, what the hell have you got me on for? Um, but, um, I, and I mean, really, what the hell have you got me on for? I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is, uh, you know, you've got some... You've got some gods of the watch industry and then then there's me. So um, but uh, you're kind of asking about the why, what, how, um, you know, GB, GB talks for me was that kind of thing, that itch like you guys. You know, there is an itch 
that I I want I I felt in COVID that I lost this voyage of discovery, voyage of loving and watches, and I felt like what the hell do I you know how do I get into it? And Rob, I'm I you know this um, more than most of us is this kind of understanding of watch design, understanding of pulling watches, looking at them, and so GB talks became that kind of thing of like people bringing their ideas of watches of weird watches it always had to be an oddball it could not be something that was mainstream and then if it was mainstream it had to be a real story so i've 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 just been doing some stuff with uh, mr rolex um and we've just been uh, talking about quartz movement watches and the whole history of quartz and it's a three-part series, and it's been really, really cool to do something like that that has been a real kind of understanding of where we're going. And then, you know, you asked about Bamford London and Bamford Watch Department. You know, I can give you a kind of quick rundown, but Bamford London for me is the idea of kind of design. I, 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 I've got this itch that I, I constantly, I'm a frustrated designer, a frustrated watch designer. So for me, that was always my itch. Um, and so if you look at Bamford London, these are the some watches that I, designs I loved. These are the designs, dials and things like that, that I really wanted to kind of get into. And then, um, I think Bamford watch department is customization. So the, the two kind of, if you think about readywear and then you think about fully bespoke, those two, that's how the two brands sit side by side, or that's how I see them. Um, I hope that kind of gives you a quick kind of round robin. It does. And what about cars? Because I want to build a bridge to your awesome new launch, which is the Bamford London collab with Land Rover. Oh, yes. So I have uh, I have a, uh, an Instagram account uh, called Bamford uh, Auto Department, um, and that span, spells out bad B-A-D. Uh, I think it's freaking cool because I just keep on taking photographs of cars. I love Land Rover. So for me... I collect Land Rovers and yeah, we, it was, this was one of those things three and a half years ago, we started the design process with, uh, with Land Rover. Uh, this was, um, at the end of the Zenith contract. Um, and I was sniffing around as I always do. I was going, Hey, I could do some customization on, uh, on some Zenith watches and do the customization like what we're doing with Zenith now in their boutiques. We're, I was looking at potentially doing this with uh, Land Rover and then the contract ended. And my friend, I, I've been very good friends with all the people at Land Rover for years. And they, they were saying, well, we want to actually design a watch and we want to do a unique case. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then we were looking at field military field, uh, fixed lug watches and they were like oh my god we'd love to do something like this and then they they said but we want to do it in the defender way and i said what do you mean in the defender way and it was going back and forth and i was like what what's a defender way and it was like well we want a modern luxury uh take on that you know, this kind of utilitarian luxury and modern come into one thing. And, you know, if you look at the new Defender, and I absolutely love the new Defender, they, they've they done it with the Defender. And I've, I've got all the old Defenders. I've got tons of Series 1s, 2s. Uh, I've got a Series 3. I've got pickups. I've got all the weird and wonderful Defenders, and I've got Ford Controls. But the new Defender is a real modern take 
on on an old uh, an old design. It, it's kind of saying let's let's be up to the twenty first or twenty second century, and they wanted to do the same with the watch design. And so that's when we came out with this kind of idea of fixed lugs, a modern case, modern, modern, but with a, a, a utilitarian and luxury come into one thing. So that's where this Land Rover launch happened. So who was it that actually designed this watch itself? Like, Did you put pen to paper and come up with a case shape? Because I came across it a couple of weeks ago and I absolutely love the hour markings. I think that the sandwich dial is a beautiful choice and it has this wonderful utilitarian, but also hyper-futuristic vibe to it. So are you directly responsible for that or did you have someone else in your team work on that and then you add your feedback later on? So on 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 any design I'm all I, I'm it, it comes from me but it was it, but this is a partnership. You know let's talk about this as a collaboration. This was the two brands coming together. I I got to work with some amazing people at Land Rover and I'm gonna say uh they are absolute rock stars. And during COVID, we, you know, we were designing this case. Um, and it was like, hey, what about this? What about this? And then we did a, I, I've got on my desk, and I, I, if this was a visual thing, you'd be able to see, I've got on my desk a 3D printed, um, oversized version of the watch. Um, and I, I mean, it's kind of bigger than my hand. So then we could look at every aspect of it. And we were like, oh, well, this doesn't work and this doesn't work. So the thing is, it was a proper collaboration. It had to be a proper collaboration because this was their DNA being put into a watch. It, this case will never be produced unless it's got their, it's a joint partnership with them. So okay. this is, this is very much, this, this is their unique case. Um, and since this, we've been asked by other brands to create unique cases for them. Um, and so we're starting to look at what else can we do. But this was very much, this is LR001. Of course, you know that I'm I'm me. So there will be a 02 at some point. There'll be a 03 at some point. But there'll be expressions on this case. Um, and we've been doing the design process of where it should go. I, I'm pleased that you liked it because... It was very much, it was a touch and go. We also, starting with a grey on grey on grey, uh, titanium, that was something that we really were pushing. But even down to, I, I, I've got the watch on my wrist now, but we've got a Kabora, recycled Kabora strap. And you kind of go, what the hell is Kabora? And basically it's recycled fabric. Um, uh, and it's it's like this wonderful, it almost feels like uh, a barber kind of wax cotton jacket. And it's, nice. I've got I've got a dark blue version of it, and even how we've done the NATO straps, each one is all recycled materials because it's got that Land Rover DNA. You know, you think about the Defender when you feel around the seat. There's this fabric just around the seat, and that's recycled. And then there's loads of parts that you don't realize are really you know the right way thought through. I mean, all of our leather looking straps are not leather; they're bio based, so they're made out of corn. Um, and so they are, you know, we've, we've looked at everything and kind of gone, it has to have the right feel, the right vibe. And even, you know, I was, we were doing pull-up tests and making sure that the, the straps would give the right feel on your wrist. So there's loads of things that went in. I guess the question I have, because looking at the watch head itself on its off the strap, it's a, a masterpiece really, but how does it wear? Because those fixed lugs, they don't 
they don't look very sympathetic at all. They're not as forgiving as you'd think. I've got it on my wrist and I'm, I wish I was showing you on, on here, but really it fits perfectly on the wrist. Um, the, there is a slight angle to those fixed lugs. Uh, so when it, when the, um, when the strap uh, threads through, it really does, it fits perfectly. And, it 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 is a bizarre thing because when we first got it and we got the prototype um and i got it entertaining because 3d printing is and that's how we start off on any of these projects is i always 3d print um we go oh okay would it work and we really had to finesse on each bit um but it feels like for me this watch you can't it, it I, you know, you've got to beat it up. You've got to have fun with it. You've got, it's got to, it's not a show pony or a safe watch. This is a watch that needs to go and have experiences on it. And I didn't want it to feel like it was too bulky on the wrist because I wanted it to feel like I didn't feel like I'm whacking it every two minutes. Um, And I've had it on my wrist um, for the last probably maybe six months um, and I've had it on the wrong wrist. So, you know, and that's been a great thing. What, which of your watches do you think you've worn the most over the course of your creating career? Which watch have I m- m- worn the most? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, probably my Tag Heuer Monaco, the carbon one. Oh, nice. Uh, I, the reason is it's it's my ultimate fuck you watch because it's the prototype. Um, and it was the first ever watch that I had. Um, uh, it was the first big collaboration we ever did. Um, and launching it at Basel, that for me was the first ever kind of like, and so it is sometimes like if I'm going to any event or anything like that, that is kind of a major watch geek event, it would be something like that. Because I think that is like, you know, there's some other cool watches that I've got and there's some amazing collaboration. You think of Chopard, the Jared Perigo uh, casquette. Uh, no, sorry. The, uh, well, there's the, um, uh, the only watch casquette that we did, but they're also the Laureate Ghost. These things are, they're very, very cool watches, but I keep on putting that Monaco on because I kind of love the idea that um, this was something that I actually nicked off the stand at Basel. Um, I, no, officially I didn't nick it off stand, but it's... <laughs> it, 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 officially, it, yeah. it, it, it ended on my wrist when I was flying home and I went, oops, I'm really sorry. And it's... Uh, <laughs> I think only you could get away with that, to be honest. That's um... for for our American listeners. Nicked means in British stolen. He stole it. No, I never steal anything. <laughs> I never. I never. I never. Welcome to the club, Tagoya. Please, I haven't. You 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 officially gave it to me on stand. Please, we'll verify. We'll verify this with Frederick Arno, George. So, I have. Zillion of questions, but Rob stole my thunder. So I'll oh, get good. back. I'll circle back to them later on. On topic of the Monaco, which is a watch that I also love and own and have in my private collection, you build a bridge for me on oddball watches. What is it that makes you tick for oddball watches? Um, look, I think whatever you. It says something about your character because you're an oddball. <laughs> no 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 not well yes i probably am an oddball but but the thing i will say to you is it's not it's not about oddball oddball it's about pulling the skin off the you know 
don't be the same as everyone else. And that's where I think you put down, and let's let's say, I don't know, you put down a Nautilus at a watch event or you have it on your wrist. Most people have seen it. Most people have actually got, uh, got an, have seen it in, on their hand or they've seen it on the internet and they, they don't really care about it. If you put down, I don't know, a television dial, um, Beta 21, um, Patek, Everyone's going, oh my God, I've never seen that. That's damn cool. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself is be, express yourself, express, you know, something cool about you. You think about, I don't know, some of the Fratello pieces or Alon, what you've been doing with some of the limited editions that you've done um, in the business. You think about where you've gone. You know, you t- I, I'm just trying to think of like, you can turn up with, I don't know, a Prowploff Omega, um, and you're going, that is so damn cool. And people go, oh my God, I haven't seen one, or I haven't seen one in the flesh. And I think that's where I like, I like design and something that expresses yourself instead of being the clone of someone else. And Interesting. And that's where I look at watches and I think, you know, there is so many cool watches out there. There's so many great designers out there. There's great stories of these watches. You know, the quartz movement, uh, you know, has d- created some awesome watches. I'm still buying to this day. I've just brought this weird and wacky IWC um, uh, that's done in sterling silver of all things. And I, I, I found it, it actually it was on the podcast that I, I did. And I was like, I've got to have this watch. And, and I had this... M- mentality of got to want to steal it if you're still dreaming about the watch then you've got to kind of find a way of putting it into a collection but anyway what i what you're saying about my obsession with oddball is i think to myself is these brands have done some awesome things you look at so so you said about zenith but let's talk about tag Heuer, let's talk about um i don't know odomar piguet you think about you know some of the really weird ones out of Enema PK. You know, everyone keeps on talking about code being such a dreadful design. It's not, it's a really cool design, but you've just got to know the history. You've got to be able to say to people, okay, why has it got this case? Why is, you know, you think of case construction, you think, wow, that's absolutely amazing. Then you go for Hoyer, you go down to rabbit warren of things like Kentuckys and Camaros. And I, I, you know, there's some wicked watches out there that are really cool. And then, you know, I don't know, Chopard, you're going on something like um, the Mille Mille XL, the the mm. bigger watch that is, you know, the Ryan Reynolds style, uh, awesome um, uh, kind of design of a watch that is different. It's saying something different about you, um, you know, or the, or the diver from Omega or the diver from Tag Heuer, or I'm, I, I'm throwing out multiple things, but then I could say to you is then you could also go down to Baltic, um, or I, I'm trying to think of other great brands, but you think about there's some great independents that are really pushing the thing. Oh, you think of England, Fears, uh, you know, Nick is a, an awesome guy and what he's designed in the watch world, you know, he's brought the brand back, but he's done an awesome thing. Or or people like, uh, you know, saying something different, you know, undone, um, you know, um, that's one of those brands that you just go shouldn't do what they're doing where you then go to someone that is a brand that really has had some fun um and un- studio underdog 
that you then look at them and think he's an awesome designer and and he's got a he's got an expression for the world that is cool everything fell into place because now i understand your whole journey why you start customization is to take the regular into the odd i am and both rob and i are the same we love these ex- eclectic and 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 strange watches what i enjoy the most when i scroll on instagram on the watch accounts is those either vintage watches of watch i've never seen before and that post will make my day i'm like wow i've never seen that before that's why i i resonate and connect with you and it explains also who you are why you started the customization why every bamford london watch is literally new everything you guys make because it's not a one man show is is odd so begs the question will you guys ever make a classic three hand watch with the bamford london label oh classic three hand watch are you talking more of a, like a field style watch um simple round case yeah let's say something that's done like a dirty dozen watch <laughs> imagine you had to make the 13 dirty dozen watch um for example or a calatrava dress watch if you know what i'm saying i i would i would um i would say that um just kind of maybe something may be coming next year early part of next year potentially uh, could happen or may not happen you look at our repertoire there is a, there is a, a case that has sneaked past all journalists um and we did this as a collaboration of uh, uh last year i think or early this year um and there is something there um so just what i'd say to you is it's there is something that we we're creating at some point but we're creating a few other things so and the problem the problem is that if this was on screen you would see right behind me all of the development of the watches because i've got basically sheets of paper with loads of images of all the different watches that are coming soon um, <clears throat> because the thing is what you have to then do is as a business we're having to plan for 2025 2026 with we're, we're planning designs um so you know that's the thing when you look at all these all these watches we have you know there is there is no secret people are asking for other other case designs the land rover one for me i think is is one step forward that's a, as as um rob you said very well it's a futuristic looking um uh design and it and it's a take on the 369 because of doing as wider um 369 points um it's there is such a kind of take on how how you'd see it now that's for us our you know another step on each watch we have to do something that is a little bit more pushing with dial co- uh, configurations putting pushing with colorways colorways straps you know really launching out with something that everyone goes wow that's what we we are pushing for on anything we can do and to have our own take on that side so maybe you know i'm looking at the photographs on my desk and i'm like going well maybe it you know but we've held, held it back for a little while so i don't you know it will be next year i th- do you find george planning so much ahead and rather difficult because you're so much on the pulse of time you are an innovator do you find it difficult to look so far ahead 
uh, I, I, I think, I think it's more the marketing plan. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that's where you have to be fluid. The other thing is, what happens is if you if not, um, you're in a problematic place, or I'm I'm in a problematic place of what I am in this year. I feel like we have launched so many products um, this year that it's kind of like some people are taking the piss out of me and going, Hey, you know, Hey, it's a Tuesday and you're launching another watch. And it's not the, not the scenario. We, we, we run two consecutive brands side by side, Banff for watch Bank, Banff for London. And, you know, we're trying to have a wonderful music that kind of has these two kind of, um, I, I don't know, chords playing side by side. And, you think about it is it's not we're not we're not launching every couple of days we're we're kind of trying to get it right but there is this run up to certain times the certain parts of the year that you, you shouldn't launch something january february you shouldn't be launching something unless there's there's a proper story behind it and so then you kind of then go well we're only we're only running into 10 months a year, but then you kind of think we're only running into nine months a year. So then it's kind of like, so how do you get the proper cadence that feels right? Um, and, and the other thing is that f- these stories feel right. Um, so that's for me, one of those things I, 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 so designing so far out is going to hopefully give us a breath of kind of this, this, um, this show the 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 thing of launching we want to get it right we want to get everyone going oh my god i like that you think about the g-shock the g-shock launch everything when we launched the g-shock and it was an uh, awesome launch but the biggest problem is we closed down carnaby street so a little street in london it's not a little street it's a big street and it got closed down by the police there was 400 people waiting outside to get the watch and and for me was one of the things where I had my kids in there and they were going to package up the watches and give people the watch with a business card that said, you rock and you're cool and all these different funny things. And we got locked in the store with people trying to break into the door and my kids are down in the bottom. The police escorted my kids out and I had to wait down in the bottom. Now for me, we didn't plan that launch right. We, and we, I thought we had. And so you want to kind of get, you know, and we, you know, the things if, if I had hindsight, I'd have 2020 vision, but so close to the Omega um, swatch launch, we should never have, you know, I should have kind of gone, Hey, there's breathing space, but then there's a, there's watches after this. So the knock on effect happens. I mean, even down to we, the Land Rover watch was delayed for a couple of weeks and that's knocked into a watch that we were meant to launch about now, and that's moved to next year. And so, it, so when I'm talking to you on all these things, it's like so. Then it's the knock-on effect. That watch then is going to be next year, and then it's going. So each of these things is is. Uh, so then you think about 2025. You've got to be kind of like going, okay, yeah, let's let's see what what can work on those and the story and the idea has to be right it has to feel right every watch and every brand i've worked with uh, are the watches i want these are watches i want on my wrist you ask me which watch i wear on my wrist 
most days I'm putting one of my collaboration watches on or one of my own watches because that's how it is. Unless, uh, you know, you'll see me on a Saturday or Sunday, I put on another brand's watch, but they will be weird and wonderful watches. You know what I think is most impressive about having this long-term plan into the future, which of course every brand has, it's not an unusual thing, is the discipline it takes to see it through. Of course it's important to plan, of course it's important to try and figure out the best order in which to release whatever weird and wonderful thing you've designed next, but does it ever get to the point where the projected release date for a watch rolls around and you're just not as enthusiastic about it as you were when you first conceived it and you wish that you'd either launched it earlier or that you could drop it out of the release schedule entirely? And do you ever like can watches at the last minute because you no longer feel that they're right? No, I haven't canned uh, because the watch does feel, most of the watches are the watches I want to steal anyway. So I wouldn't say, <laughs> so I wouldn't say these are the watches that I would go, oh my God, I want that. Uh, but we have canned launch dates um we've totally can the launch date um but that's external um to to us um that the world changed around us um and one of the things was um the bad form watch um working with second second um he is awesome um and we were going to be launching the bad form watch um about two weeks before uh we actually launched it uh, and we had a whole schedule in place and we had all these things. And um, it had a, a box with Winston Churchill on the front and it said up yours on the box. And, and it's got the two uh, fingers with the f- fingers up. Two weeks before um, was um, when the Queen died. So m- maybe not the best time to launch a watch that said bad form on it. Um, or up yours. So that was one of the things where, you know, instantly we were like, this this can't happen, it can't happen. Um, and, you know, because it, it was one of those things where both Second Second and I chatted, and on, he's, a, he's an amazing gentleman, and, and we just chatted and said, this this we've got to we've got to delay it we've got to put it off we were actually thinking should we put it off for a month two weeks uh you know even six months we were like we didn't know what when to do it and then it felt right after that time that's a really perfect example and quite a recent one as well still fresh in everyone's uh everyone's mind he is a certainly a force of nature remaric is um a passionate and creative individual uh, do you think you'll be doing more work with second second in the future I freaking hope so. He's, <laughs> he is an artist and I just love, do you know, honestly, I get him. So we're on teams uh, and, and like every time he's like, Oh, can I show you this? Can I show you this in, in his creative environment? And I'm like going, fucking hell, you're more creative than I am. And I think that we, we're, ch- we're kind of like, what was I say? We, we really are. I mean, it's a mad kind of warren of stuff in my office and you know maybe it's junk and stuff but i'm like even though i've got marmite that's a band for watch department on and and snoopies and weird packaging my desk is piled full of crap but it it but it they create they make me laugh or make me smile i've got a gnome that has got a uh that's got a, a finger up um at me and and it's my fuck you gnome and it just makes me smile and you know you've got to have and and then then he shows me and he's like oh george have you seen this and i'm like going oh my God, please don't show me any more because 
I, you're putting me to shame of how creative and funky the things you've got. I honestly believe he has the best Instagram channel. Hundred percent, hundred percent. If you if you're listening to this, you're already are, are following him. I mean, you really are. And if you're not, where the hell have you been? You've been under a rock somewhere because Jesus Christ, you need to be listening to this podcast, but also you need to be looking at his Instagram. Yeah, it is awesome. That's Secon, Secon, so that's S-E-C-O-N-D-E, S-E-C-O-N-D-E. And you know what? I find these images almost like therapy for the eyes, like oh, really yeah. relaxing to look at, beautiful stuff. Um, yeah, have you seen these just released a new Nevada Grenchen? I think it came out today. Oh, yes, with Tide Tide. <laughs> um, and Tide, those guys, ugh. Oh, no, I bet you hate all those people, don't you? Oh, I, I brought one of the watches. How oh, did you? Which one did you get? I got the the uh, the eyes that are a bit fur, furry and yeah. the smile. And of course, I brought one of the watches. I I said to Andrew just before it uh, launched, um, I I I knew um, Romeo. Basically, he just went to me and said, "Oh, you know, this is coming out." And I went to Andrew and I was like, "Send me the fucking image." And he went. <laughs> uh okay and i was just like i want to see the images of the watches now and it was like really like that intense like i want to know what you're doing and because they both explained it to me but didn't really send me the image anyway they sent me the images and i was just like okay yeah this thing is so damn cool and i'm sure when this podcast comes out they have sold out way ago um and you'll probably be getting them on a whatever you get your uh your uh, vintage fix or secondhand watch fix from I'm sure there's loads out there um, but I'm sure you'll be able to get one I'm just uh, well I'm going to check it out now because I mean when did they launch was it today I can't remember when it launched today let's see if they're still available now I'm guessing that they're probably gone to be honest because uh, they are quite special I'm glad uh, well like you say you've got the the one with the swirly eyes right I think that's yeah. probably my favorite as well good choice good choice is uh, is about effing time going to bring out any watches anytime in the future um i don't know okay uh, the and why i say i don't know um the three of us can't can't kind of um agree on most things so how the hell are we going to agree on a design <laughs> i mean like the thing is that we all we all kind of have our own take on the world so it's like I, uh, I I would love to. I'd love to create something that would be an about F and time watch, but what would it in com- be? You know, would it be a split second chronograph? No, because Adrian doesn't like split second chronographs versus, uh, you know, or is it a tourbillon? Wait, 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 wait. What is wrong with Adrian that he doesn't like Rattrapon movement? No, I, I'm, I, I'm just, no. I'm I'm saying a for instance. I don't know if he does. What is wrong with Adrian? I don't know Adrian. Can you introduce <laughs> oh, me to Adrian? Shut up! <laughs> I thought he seemed all right. He seemed like the most normal one of the bunch, to be honest. I think he's the most gentleman of the three. What do you think? He uh, is def. He is a freaking cool guy. They 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 are so wonderful to work with. But what look? I don't know. Uh, I haven't even gone into this conversation of what they like or not like, but. Let's say a tourbillon, you know, I don't, I'm not a, a massive fan of tourbillons. So, you know, one of them could What's be- What's wrong a, with you, George? Oh, don't start, Alan. I don't like tourbillons either. Oh I, my God. It's something with that island that you guys came from or live on. <laughs> but what's the point of it? For the record, I have one of, of yours in my own home. My wife is from London, right? So yeah. 
Yeah, I know. I've, I'm dealing with it every day. Does she lucky, like tourbillons? Does she lucky like you. Lucky you. Yeah. I am. I am a lucky bastard, indeed. Yeah, you are a lucky bastard. I am. I am. Must have um, popped ahead. No, no, but what I'm saying to you is, so, you know, I, or whatever it is, the, the conversation of movements, the conversation of where we start, you're dealing with three different people. So three different ideas, three different... Um, so to get us to agree on something, I may be very hard or maybe very easy. We haven't even thought about it because we, you know, we have been focusing on season two that comes out uh, on the 4th of December that is after, uh, sorry, before this podcast goes live. Um, and then we'll be into season two. Um, so that's kind of, it's a good thing, but that's all we've been focusing on is getting that done. Um and getting that right, uh, and uh, we we didn't we didn't even kind of uh, even in the uh, the blue room type of thing uh, or the green room uh, we um, we didn't debate movements or any of those things because it wasn't something we were like we've got to leave it all on the uh, on the um, uh, on the screen. Andrew obviously lives in Australia. Yeah, you guys then lock yourself in a room and record the whole season. How does that work? Um, hard. It's, it, it, I, I, it's, it's, no, honestly, it's very, very good. It's working with them is the, the coolest thing. Uh, we, we all came away from, uh, a, a while of filming, um, because we had to do all of the advertising and all the different other films on this. And we all walked away from, uh, kind of a week, uh, you know, just, uh, just under a week of filming, um, and we all lost our voices um, because we all we all have we all talk. So as you notice here, I, you've you've got one of the three, and we t- all talk. Um, it's like you two. I'm like you know. So it's kind of so. Um, what would I say? Um, uh, how does it work? Um, we script everything. Uh, we run through, uh, and I mean script. We we plan what we're talking about. Uh, uh, we've got a very very good producer that. Um, sits in on the whole thing and, and says, stop, hey, let's redo that. What's happening here? So it really, it, it feels right. And then season two, we've kind of stepped up. There's more episodes um, and there's more things happening. Um, and we even get out of the bloody office that for me is the f- happy thing. Oh my God, they let you out on the street. Oh yeah. Oh Jesus. Are you going to go international or is it just going to be based in, well, where are you recording? You're recording in England, right? We're recording in England. So uh, Andrew comes over, he's coming over quite a few times and we record each bit then. And then, um, and, and that's the great thing is that, uh, but then we do a therapy session the following week. So, <laughs> so we do one, one session. Uh, so one, so let's say the fourth and then on the 11th, we would do a therapy session. So that's a, on, on uh, YouTube live. It's the three of us talking uh, about what's happened in that episode, but then also what's happened in the industry, similar to what you guys do. Um, you know, you, you, you do that wonderful, like the Q and a, the GPH, uh, GP uh, predictions. And then, then you kind of, uh, you kind of do one with a, with a minor celebrity like me, and then one that's you two chatting. And I think that's such a cool way of doing it is this alternative. And I think, I think you play with, you being in red and then that being in blue or the other way around. But I, but I always love that kind of play. So that's what we've been doing from season one. 
my God, it's almost like you've been paying extremely close attention to what we've been doing. I really appreciate it, George. It's very kind of you. I'm honoured. I'm honoured. Well, from a watchmaking god like you. Oh, Jesus Christ. I, I did say I was a, a Z-less celebrity on, on this this uh, this group. Of you're you're actually got. not, George. And, oh, and hell yes, I am. No, you aren't. Because the funny thing is, I've, I've told a few of our hardcore listeners, because we've been now running for a month while we're recording this episode, um, and, and we're keeping the cadence of two a week, and we've been keeping up. Um, so kudos to Rob because he's our amazing editor. So uh, applause for you, Rob. How the hell do you guys keep going? I mean, like we're doing one a week, and I'm and I'm I'm just like going, where the hell are we? You know, finding the time to do this. Jesus Christ, you guys, Rob. But that's actually what I wanted to ask you, George, because you didn't give up on GB Talks, did you? No. So where do you find the the the, the time um, to do all of this? But I guess it's the same answer for all of us because it's rhetorical. It's pure, pure passion. It gives us energy. We don't sleep. That's true. And you don't even have kids yet, Rob. Imagine that. Yeah. I don't think I can even say it, George, and I've got myself into such a state from overwork, I think. Um, George, what I wanted to circle back to um, is I've visited you in the Hive in Mayfair, London. Amazing building, amazing team, because I think we should also give kudos to Simon. Amazing guy. But your whole team. I had the honor to visit together with my son back when I visited you, he was four and a half. Um, he yes. fell in love with the whole operation. We bought him the, the cookie monster version of London Bamford, which I have oh. on my wrist right now. It makes me smile. That does. I've borrowed it off of him. He doesn't know cause he's in school right now. He, he had an, I had an amazing time hanging out with you guys in the hive. It was amidst COVID, but you took my son and he's rather shy. Doesn't go with strangers because that's how we taught him. But you gave him a grand tour of the whole hive because it's four or five stories, right? Yeah, it's five stories. Yeah, uh, so I haven't even seen all floors due to COVID. But you gave him the grand tour. He was gone for half an hour. He still has the stickers of which one I've nicked off of him and stuck on my MacBook Pro. Oh, good. And um, we had a blast there. I don't think a lot of people know how much you guys do in-house. So please tell us how much you guys do in-house. So I can I can give you a quick rundown of the office just just kind of, and, and I know you've got another question so I, I'm going to come to that but the office because I'm going to forget midway through because you know I, I rant on for too long um, top top floor we've got uh, watchmakers we've got four watchmakers in the build, uh, building um, and then we've got a um, what a, what I would call a bit of an R and D floor, and then we've got two client rooms that uh, we hung out in, and then we've got a design floor that I sit on. Um, and that's with our designers. Um, so we do everything in what I call head, heart, um, uh, soul, and uh, basically feet is the basement where everything comes in and goes out out of the basement. But why I talk about heart, um, you've got to know, and I'm going to say this in the best way possible. I hope it's the best way possible. Um, but client rooms are the thing that makes the business run. Our, our clients can get on without us. We can't get on without them. They make payday happen. They make everything happen. They make the fluid in the, they make the blood pump in this business. And so they are the best rooms in the house. They are the place where if a client comes in here, they are primary. We, everything has to be primary on that. So that's, and then head is where the watchmakers are. I put them in the top of the building 
they are in the brightest, lightest, they're in a vaulted ceiling room because they are the most important second to the client. They are the most important people in this building. Don't ever tell them that. And if they're listening to this, you definitely aren't. But what I would say to you is, they are one of the most important people in the building because they they can deliver the watches. They are the ones that are getting. So we're assembling and we're putting watches together, and we're we're doing all the tests. We're doing everything from even when we're doing R and D. I involve the watchmakers every single time. So for me, that is one of the key things. And then on the um, my design floor, I mean, I can see the guys at desk. We have two or three people working remotely. Um, and I, I'm, I talk to them there. One's in Spain and one's in Portugal. Um, and they, they, they're amazing as well because they're different designers that come up with the stickers and things. So we've got some really good people in the team and, and everyone, you know, we're a small team, but we all kind of come together as one. And so that for me is one of the things. And that's why we've got this townhouse just behind the Dorchester, um, as, as a kind of place where it's all about watches. Does that describe it enough? Very much so. And uh, it was an honor to see it uh, myself. That's amazing. Now, you also said something about um, that you've been making fun of, that you launched so many watches in a fast pace. I can imagine also that you're a victim of your own success, that you're so successful in both the customization, what you do with other brands for, with the Bamford watch department, but also the amazing watches you launch with your own brand, Bamford London. You guys have a core collection, don't you? Yes. And I think that's undersnowed by the fact that you launched so many collabs. Do you think that you need to slow your roll with that or it doesn't matter? Um, so we have our GMT and we have, um, we have our own, yes, you're right. We have our own core collection um, that is the Bamford B347 and the GMT. Um, uh, and we also have the Mayfair Sport that is our fun, um, fun watch that um, fes- f- uh, the Cookie Monster and Elmo. Um, just to say on the Elmo, uh, my son was with um, with me the other day and he was up with the watchmakers and he ma- made his own Elmo watch. Uh, with a few twists on it, and he actually built it himself with the watchmakers. Um, it's quite good to have a watchmaker. So I was t- I've been teaching my son on on these um, pocket watches, and and uh, during COVID, we kept on taking pocket watches to bits and rebuilding them. So anyway, that's one of the things. Core collection, core collection. You can customize our core collection. There'll be more customization coming on to the core collection, but the core collection is the backbone to some of the collaborations. You think about the second second is on our GMT. So we do the collaboration. Then we also see other sales and other products that people like as well. So it's, it's each thing is helping it, helping the other thing out. Um, So, that's a great thing. We also just launched on the GMT a brand new titanium case on the GMT um, that has now made it very, very light. Um, and we'll be launching um, a watch, um, a collaboration around this to highlight that uh, new watch. But it is titanium case that you can now customize online. Now, I'm sounding like I'm advertising my business. It isn't. I, I'm definitely not advertising. But on 
the core collection of the watches and also same with the brands that we're working with like tag and zenith and um and frank muller and and um Chopin, all of these there is a core collection that's on their their side but we do customization so that is always a good thing as well as having the two sides of the business but collaborations i i think we need to either do collaborations or do limited edition because I think it is that thing of you want to have something that like what I was describing, you don't want to have the same as everyone else. So I always think these limited editions work. I, you know, they, I I'm collecting myself limited editions from every brand that is doing some really cool limited editions with some of the best online platforms, because I think that those things are the ones that when, when later on, we go to a Phillips or a Christie's or a Sotheby's or an Antiquorum catalogue, we see that this is limited edition out of 100 pieces or 200 pieces. They're the ones that will be the ones that will be the desirable ones because they are limited by by the nature of that collaboration. So that's where I love about these limited editions. I mean, it's actually true. It's hard to deny. We've... uh heard frequently people complaining about the ubiquity of limited edition projects and questioning whether or not that strategy, that sales strategy has a long-term future in watchmaking. But just from a personal consumer perspective, you're absolutely right. I also hunt limited editions because I, I enjoy their specialness. I like having something that's a little different. I like a conversation starter. And yes, I suppose you're right that if you were to sell it in the future, then you'd probably get a good price for it. So I don't see any end to that whatsoever. What do you think, Alon? Uh, I'm with you, gentlemen. Um, You've done a lot yourself as well. So it's kind of... Yeah, I have done. And we have quite uh, some cool things in the pipeline. I guess when this episode airs, we launched a cool one, a micro brand, um, which is made by Cédric Bellon, a watch designer with a long track record. Um, ventured out himself two years ago on the Watch Angels project, the crowdfunding project for Just Watches. And I actually became friends with him. He's such a gentle soul and he put sustainability at the core of everything he does. So I, I, I connected with that and the watch he made, his first piece, which I obviously bought, his second piece I bought. And then they asked me if I would like to add some ace flavor to it. So I was very honored. Um, So that was amazing. Um, And I came back from Geneva also, where we worked on a collab with Frédéric Constant. Um, So so that's cool. So um, you're actually a role model for me. And I want to use this as a bridge, George, because we have already accumulated quite some uh, hardcore listeners. And some of them knew that we are recording this with you and we got zillion questions for you from them. Okay. Can I, can I just ask, cause I haven't seen the watch. Is it the one with the small seconds at the top? If it is, I freaking love it. So, yeah. so um, that was his CB one. Yeah. He made now the CB two, which is Ooh. a GMT. Oh shit. And, and I don't know if this is going to be aired or not. Um, so off the record? No, no, it's definitely going to be aired. So make sure oh. it's appropriate for the record. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let me keep it appropriate for the record. So obviously I immediately bought the CB2, the GMT version. Mm-hmm. And then 
the first inclination I, I had is, hey, this is basically an aviator watch. Why, Cedric, didn't you use Arabic numerals, like a pilot's watch, mil-spec? So then he said, why don't you make it if you think that should be done? So wow. it was a one-two, and, and it had to be made. Is it out there and exotic? Is it an oddball? No. But sometimes that's fine as well. I mean, the most oddball watch we made was together with Rob. That's where Rob and my bromance started is the first collab we made together when he was still working at Nomos. We made the style. We took the most low-key dress watch ever, which is the Orion by Nomos. Beautiful watch. How could we spice that up? So there was a watch made once with a hint to Mondrian in the style. But then we made that watch together to celebrate 100 years, the style, the art movement. And that is actually still my favorite, Rob. I don't know which one is your favorite. You know what? Funnily enough, I was uh, I was just looking at my collection just, just a moment ago. Uh, sometimes, because I'm a sad act, I like to sit at my desk with my my favorite watch box open next to me so I can just sort of gaze at them idly. And that watch is in there in the top 15. And um, I was thinking, you know, I've done some nice stuff with Nomar since, and you've done some lovely stuff with Nomar since, especially that Bauhaus Tangenta that you did. I, I adored that one. That was not one we worked on together, but one I admired from afar. And I've done those uh, world timers, of course, that uh, Fratello had great success with. But um I have to say, if I had to give them all away and I had to choose which order in which they would go, that the style would be the last last one to leave my collection without a doubt. I've worn it more than any other one. My girlfriend wears it very frequently now. In fact, when we were first dating, she she, she wanted to wear it. She used to work for Nomos as well. So she borrowed it for a night out and then she went home back to Germany when I used to live in England and when I used to commute to see her. And she took it with her, and she claims it was a mistake. And she was mortified um, after that. No, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she disappeared. I knew it was on her I, wrist. I, I know, I know that trick. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've all tried it once or twice, but you know, she got away with it immediately. I'm sure. Um, I, I would definitely wasn't going to take it to task over it because I knew she had it, and I left it on her wrist deliberately because I was like, you know, I wanted to like have a reason to go and see her sooner rather than later. This was right at the start of our relationship. Right, right at the start. So. Um, it's played an interesting role in my life and it's always been lingering around. And I now wear it on a cognac brand strap, Alon, your favorite strap color. And uh, it looks amazing. I slightly feel like you two should get a room. Yeah, well, we have we have had many times. Yeah, it's always <laughs> explosive. You're, 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 you're like the most best married couple out of each of you. Cognac strap, this, that. No, the funny thing is we actually bicker a lot and we don't... Uh... Uh, we I think we concur less than half of the time. But anyways, guys, we are running out of time oh yeah so ask the question sorry i i i i midway through just went something else so ask you were going to bung some questions in there yes yeah bung some in let's bung some in let me see we got so many let me pick a few so one comment okay go on his favorite and his is um vouter at wrist icons on instagram very cool guy hardcore collector dabbles in bit in um bringing very collectible watches to collectors. I wouldn't call him a trader because I think that's not fair enough. He's he's really passionate. Um, he says his favorite is the Black Monaco Bamford Black Lord. Really collectible in Dutch, he writes to me. He asks Rob 
uh, sorry, um, George, who's your mentor? Who's my mentor? Um, well, I would say to you is who, I, I, there is some God to the watch world, but you have to put out that you've already done the interview with him. Jean-Claude Beaver is, is the God of the watch world. We all have to bow down and, and just listen to him. And so for me, he is someone that I always look up to anything we do or anything we are as a business. I, I kind of just totally respect on what he's done. And so, yeah, probably I'd say he is my mentor. And then I could probably go my, my father and, you know, I can talk about, you know, the Oscar speech could be this, but I, for me, uh, Jean-Claude Beaver is, is the person. He is, he is, he is amazing. And, and that episode with him that we, we did with him was, was crazy. Um, another interesting one. He writes, what is your most recent discovery? But he obviously means in the watch world. It's a rather general question. So you can take it anywhere you like. Oh, my most recent discovery in the watch world. Um, I, I actually, yes. True Lope. Uh, they are a brand I saw at Geneva watch day uh that they did um earlier this year and i saw the watch and it um and trulip is for me a brand that i absolutely love and then when i was um uh, very very lucky to be on the panel for the gphg i got to really play with these engineering coolness of watch design and each time and what's interesting is i keep on going to the guys and saying look would you be able to make me one just with bamford aqua blue and black just for me as a one-off and every time they're like yeah yeah we'll come to it yeah yeah we'll come to it and i'm like going please i just want a one-off because i want the watch so that for me would be the um the discovery brand at the moment interesting so trilobe i didn't expect that we dealt with it quite extensively on the GPHG um, episodes we recorded. Awesome. So talking about new kids on the block, last one from Wouter. He is a, it's a three piece question. Sorry, Rob. I know I need to keep it to one question. A, new kids on the block, new brands, mass produced. Two, indies. Three, custom. And then he says, I expect second, second. Well, He's already he's already answered the bottom one, so I think I I think he's right on that. Um, for me, I think there is a few good brands you should know about. Um, I, I I'm going to tout the British line, and I've already uh, talked about it. Um, but I would also probably say, and my brain's just coming to me now, um, but a studio underdog, I think is a brand that you should, should be knowing about because I think is creative designs and the price point is really, really cool. Um, I think that you also fears watches. I've already spoken about them. I think the guys at fears is absolutely amazing. Um, and then I would also say, um, Just wait a second. Sorry, I, I've just forgotten um, my friend's brand. That's really embarrassing. Uh, uh, but I would also say, as looking at British watchmaking, um, you've you've got things like um, uh, well, you're asking about independence anyway. The the big one of independence would have to be uh, Bramont. I think that those guys we've worked with them a lot. They're absolutely amazing. 
Um, and then there's kind of some other other ones that I would go, yeah, there's some really cool ones out there. But I think British brands are doing some good things, like with the German brands. Uh, but Bremont, I think, is an absolutely amazing brand. Um, and I'm just trying to find the other one. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry, it's Vertex. Yeah, Dawn. There we go. I was just like, fuck. Um, so, okay. The brand is Vertex. Um, I, Don, he's such a dude, and I think it's a great British brand. So there are some really good British brands to look at. And, you know, if I say to you is uh, Studio Underdog, Vertex, um, Fears, and Bremont, those for me would be your kind of like great things. Sacon, Sacon, of course. Um, and I could go into German brands. I could go into um, French brands. I could go into Italian brands. There's some cool Italians coming through. But I, I'm going to go British because I'm, I'm sitting here in, in Great Britain. Okay, that sounds like the perfect point to wind up the show. What a patriotic note to end on. Man, I am glad that you remembered Vertex. So that's a great brand. It's a really cool brand and awesome, awesome watches. Great product quality. So if people don't know it, go check it out. If you want to get involved with the show and ask George some more questions, because we have a few more lined up, I believe, uh, that Alon and I will bring to you another date we'll get you back on the show so you can answer the outstanding questions but if you have more for george then get in touch on instagram at rob nuds that's r-o-b-n-u-d-d-s or at alon ben joseph that's a-l-o-n-b-e-n-j-o-s-e-p-h if you'd like to follow george and see what he's up to you can do at bamford watch department that's b-a-m-f-o-r-d-w-a-t-c-h-d-e-p-a-r-t-m-e-n-t Wow, my spelling is getting better every time I do this show. Jesus Christ, that that's awesome. I've got the one of the longest Instagram account names. It's like, oh my goodness. It's a lot of letters, yeah. I, I can't, Captain Thinky, I wanted it BWD, but then it's kind of like that was taken by another brand. So there was called the Black Something Design Company or something. Or what, uh, Anyway, so I was just like, okay. Okay, so we all had to roll with it, but thanks to whoever BWD is because that really put me through my paces there. Good, I'm so pleased. <laughs> <laughs> if you would prefer to get in touch with us via email, you can do by contacting either Rob at therealtime.show or Alon at therealtime.show. George, thank you for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate, a real riot. And we do need to get you back on because our listeners clearly have a lot to ask you. So if you can spare the time, we'd be glad to spend it with you. Let's, let's do it. Thank you so much. Let's do it, man. Okay, we'll be back next week with another Q&A session and also a very special interview. So tune in then. Until then, stay safe and keep on ticking. Fucking hell, what an Instagram account that was. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you, George. That was fun.